We are in the series called uh, Making Room for Jesus. Making Room for Jesus. It's, uh, it's a series dedicated with, with, with one intention, right? It's, it's like saying this, hey, you know, we, we get it. We get that your life is busy. We get that your life is distracted by a lot of different things, by family, by work, by school, by relationships. We get that it's not easy all the time to say, like, you know, all about Jesus. But the thing is, you know, God has made you, um, those who call upon his name, those who are his, he has made you not to just be busybodies in the world. He made you to be game changers. He has made you to be people who's to restore what we call Eden. And because of that, oftentimes that's our focus, that's our trajectory, but we get distracted along the way. And so this series was written with a um, desire to kind of say, hey, in the midst of your distraction, in the midst of work, in the midst of life, in the midst of the busyness that's ups and downs that you face, make room for Jesus. And ultimately, the, the, the big picture of how we do that, make room for Jesus in our single life, in our married life, make room for Jesus in our work life, make room for Jesus in our, in our ups and our downs, make room for Jesus when we start comparing ourselves to those around us, make room for Jesus when we begin to start treating people bad, right? But we make room for Jesus. And so the ultimate answer to that is this, how do we make room for Jesus? How do we make room for Jesus into our life? And the answer is very simple. It's your identity. You know who you are. If you know who you are, then you know where you're going. Oftentimes when we forget who we are, that's when we begin the journey of forgetting and not making room for him in our lives. If you know who you are, you know why you're made, you know what's your trajectory in life, you know your identity, you know where you're going. All right? Uh, last week, you know, Paul, I mean, um, Evan made a, a great message about just the gray areas, making room for Jesus when it comes to the gray areas of life. Like, for example, if I'm a Christian, do I vote Republican or Democrat? Oof, I don't know, right? If I'm a Christian, like, am I, am I, um, am I allowed to drink or not to drink? Oof, right? Am I a Christian? Can I, li- can I light one up or not, you know? We don't know. I mean, these are gray areas that we talk about that's in the Bible, right? The areas that we need to actually have a conversation about, areas that you can't just throw and make a uh, umbrella statement regarding these things. So it's making room for Jesus in regards to these things. Of course you can be Democrat and vote for Jesus, right? I'm not vote for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only, I'll vote for president, right? If, uh, of course you can be Democrat and be a Christian, right? Of course you can drink and be a Christian. Of course you can smoke and be a Christian. The answer is not about that. The answer is about given that right, what are you going to do with it? Given that ability, given that openness, what are you going to do with that to bless people, right? So today I want to share with you guys, a, it's a kind of an awkward message, awkward because it, it regards um, the next part of the chapter. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I did not time this, okay, it's ordained, okay, I did not time this for my birthday, but it's about taking care of your pastors and your spiritual leaders, okay? So, you know, the Lord says, you know, anyways, right? So it's, it's, it's the next part of this section. So we're going to talk about today very simple. How do I make room for Jesus when it comes to the church and the spiritual leaders that God has placed over us. This, is, this message is for our spiritual leaders. If you're a spiritual leader in the house, can you raise your hand? Small group. Oh, no one's, no one's going to claim it now. Everyone's going to be all like, <laughs> if you're a ministry leader, can you raise your hand? Right? If you're a small group leader, can you raise your hand? If you're in charge of, nobody's raising their hand. What are you guys all scared for, right? right? This is for you. This message is, I'm going to bless you guys today, right? Be proud. Okay. Anyways, this is, this is about in in our, in our church, in our life, when we begin to start dealing with spiritual leadership, how do I make room for Jesus? 
How do I make room for Jesus when it comes to our spiritual leaders, our mentors, our pastors? How do we make room for that? And the answer really is this. It's developing a spirit of gratitude. Everybody say gratitude. Gratitude. Right? It's developing a spirit of gratitude, a spirit of service, a spirit of generosity. See, it's not about a spirit of receiving and taking, but a spirit of saying, am I willing to give and offer? Developing that spirit. So this whole message, yes, it is about sharing with you guys what it looks like to care for your pastor, care for your small group leaders, care for your ministry leaders, but it's also about this picture of, hey, do I embody gratitude in my life? Do I embody the idea of gratitude in my spirit? Okay, it's so funny. This is a really funny thing. I, I, I've, um, I had this epiphany, right? We live in a generation that's all passionate about doing great things, being generous, you know, giving to the poor, take from the rich and give it to those in need, right? We're all about generosity, but then when it comes to taking care of those who have given their life and their time and energy for you, often it becomes more like, hey, like, what's next? What else do you got for me? What else is important? Instead of becoming a generous person, which you always proclaim to be, it becomes a very selfish thing, right? And so we want to, want to clear that up. We want to talk about that today and as we uh, get into the Word. So open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> okay. So Paul, he's writing to a church in the city of Corinth. city of Corinth is like today's Hollywood, New York, uh, L.A. It's a metropolis city. People go there to like get rich or die trying. Right? This is a place where you're never actually born from there. You just get there. You just go there to kind of do your thing. So this place is a very multicultural, multi-ethnic group, very diverse in its uh, environment. And this place, Paul comes in, and he finds a church. He develops a church in the midst of all of these, like, just worships of different things. He finds 30, 50, 60 people. He spends 18 months with them, giving himself, giving his life sharing with them this message that is amazing, the message that is beautiful, the message that changes the, the very trajectory of their existence. And after, after all of that, what do they do? They pretty much run them over with a bus. They pretty much, they start saying, like, who are you to tell us what to do? Like, who are you? What, what authority do you have? Like, who, who do you think you are? After giving, him, if, after giving them his very life and heart, the response should have been gratitude and love and service. It was met with disrespect, insincerity, hatred, selfishness, anger, right? And so Paul writes in this chapter in regards to this, you know, um, thinking about this. He writes in this chapter in regards to this. So let me, let me uh, read you the first two verses, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll pray, and then we'll, we'll get into this, okay? We'll go from 1 to 18, but we'll work to the first uh, two verses Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for this afternoon together with my brothers and my sisters as we gather to look into your word, to learn, to grow, and to, Father, be shaped and molded by it. I pray, O oh Lord, that we will be um, obedient as we sit underneath it, I pray, oh God, that we will listen to it and find strength through it, Father God, and find direction for what you have in store for us. We praise you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. 
Amen. All right. Some people think ministry is easy. Some people think leading a small group is easy. Some people think leading a church is easy. Some people think it's pretty much my job is just on Sunday for about two hours, and I preach a message, and I'm done. That's like the best job in the world, right? How hard can it get? Some people imagine that all I do at home is sit at home in my little chair, play my guitar, sing Kumbaya, and then, you know, go out there, uh, take care of a few sick people, and, you know, bless a few people here, and then, bam, we got the church, right? People have this kind of picture of small group leaders, same way, ministry leaders, same way, that we, that we have everything set up and planned, and, you know, when we go up to their houses, their houses open, they open their houses to us, food is provided for some magical way, you know, just pops up on the table, and then, you know, we devour it, and then it goes away magically too somehow, right? We imagine that all of this was just a simple, easy life of spiritual leaders, small group leaders, ministries, and pastors, right? But a ministry leader's life is kind of like the... It's kind of like a, uh, the kamikaze pilots, you know, during World War II. It's like basically you got, you're, on a, you're on a raggedy old plane. You have nowhere to go, and you're just going to just dive straight into a wall, right? And that's it. It's a one-way trip, and you just go, and there's no going back. You're, just, you're done, right? And if by chance you survive that, right, you're ridiculed, you're made fun of, you're hated, you're despised, you're laughed at, and most likely you're killed. Okay? That's more like ministry. Okay? Ministry is pretty much that one-way street to death. That's pretty much all it is, right? Um, it's sad. It's sad, right? Like these past few years, there's been an uptick in a lot of pastors killing themselves, committing suicide, right? And I'm just like, dude, like, where am I in the spectrum? You know, I'm freaking out right now. Like, people, people that you respect, people that you thought had it together, people who you felt like was, like, you know, solid, you wake up one morning, you read the newspaper, and you're like, they're dead. Not newspaper, you read the news, right? You read the news, and they're, they took their life. No one saw it coming. How is that? That's crazy, okay? So Paul comes in. He loves this church. He blessed this church. He, he founded this church. And instead of being generous, grateful for what he has done, in return, they basically threw him under the bus. They said, who are you to tell us what to do? They're disrespectful. They look at him, and they said, like, who are you? And so Paul writes in this next few passages three principles for us to learn, okay? Three very easy principles for us to learn on what it means to take care of those who have spiritual authority and spiritual leadership over us. You guys follow me, right? Three very simple principles. Here it says again, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am for you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Principle number one. Pastor, if they are respectable, right, they should be respected by their people. Paul is saying this, like, look, am I your slave? Yo, do I work for you? Why do you, why do you think that I owe you something? Why do you think that you're entitled to something when I'm in your presence? Am I not a free man, Paul says? I'm not, I'm nobody's slave, especially yours. And yet, you have the audacity to treat your spiritual leader as if he owes you something every single time he shows up. Paul begins and he gives another, am I not an apostle? Like, do, do you think that, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm giving this job just because I have, because I'm, I'm, I have to do it because it's part of my resume? Do you know that for Paul, when he got this job, he said, like, dude, if Jesus didn't come down, didn't knock me out, blinded me with a light, 
blinded me for three days, asked some dude to come and pray for me, I would not be here talking to you. I am here simply because Jesus Christ brought me here to speak to you. I am here to tell you about who he is. Am I not an apostle? Am I not a leader? Am I not spiritually led? Am I not, I, am, I didn't volunteer for this thing, right? I mean, a lot of people think like, you know, pastors, spiritual leaders, um, um, ministry leaders, they all volunteer. It is volunteer. It is volunteer, but it's volunteer after they've been compelled by God to do it. Been compelled by God to say, I'm going to step up and do something. They're not getting there to get their butt beat up, to get laughed at, to get mocked, to get uh, used over and over just because they like it. Okay? We're not masochists here, right? These leaders, they step in and say, am I not an apostle? And Paul says, are you not the result of my work? Didn't, didn't that come in, right? Didn't I speak to you God's word? Aren't you, aren't you the product of the growth in your life because of the message that was given to you? Are not these things in your life because of me, right? So the principle is this. The principle is very simple. Spiritual leader, ministry leader, pastor, if they are respectable, then show them respect. Yes, follow me? If they are respectable, show them respect proper respect. I'm not saying like you should respect every pastor here, okay? I'm not saying you should respect every ministry leader, okay? If a ministry leader and a pastor, the way you show them respect is you ask this question, you ask, hey, are they doing their job, okay? Are they, are people meeting and growing in Christ? Are they teaching the Bible? Is ha- anything happening within the church? If they are doing their job, they're bearing fruit, and God is working within the community, God's working in you through them, then the answer is you should respect them, you should treat them with a level of respect and care, right? You should, there's so many ways to respect your pastor, so many ways to respect the people that, that, that serves you, right? We have all these small group leaders. Some, some of the easiest things, I'm going to drop a few hints for you guys. Help clean up after they feed you. You know, in fact, they don't need to feed you. We can't feed you guys just because I know you guys are hungry, Right? But help clean up. I mean, that's not so silly, right? I'm not teaching you guys to clean, like, after yourself. That's kind of funny, but it's so true, right? Say thank you, right? Be present, but be respectful. One thing you can be respectful is when you're doing a message, during a time where we're having conversations, don't look at your phones, right? I know the game is on, right? It's still going to be on, but don't look at your phones. Be here. You know, you would never, in a, in, a, in a corporate setting, you would never sit, open your phone, watch a game in front of your boss. Right? Unless your boss is watching the game, too. So that's different, right? <laughs> you know? But you would never do that in the middle of a meeting. But you would do that at the church. Why? I don't know. Right? I don't know. See, what happened was the church didn't respect his authority, didn't respect him. And Paul is saying, I'm not your slave. I don't owe you anything. I didn't come here because I volunteered this. I came here because God volunteered me to be here. You are the work, the investment, the fruit of this. And so if you see that, the best way in which you can love your leader is to respect them, right? To be there for them. You know, there are, there are times when, you, yeah, there are times, I'll, I'll give you the truth, there are times when you shouldn't respect your pastor. There are times when you shouldn't respect uh, your ministry leaders. 
if they're not doing their job, if they're, if they're in and out all the time. I remember I had this conversation with a buddy of my colleague of mine, and he, he, uh, he's, he's, he's been jumping um, churches. You know, like he's, he was at a church for one and a half years, and he went to another church for another half a year, and he went to this third church. And by the time he's at this third church, he's developed a rep for himself. And the church, he walked into a college ministry, and he was upset with me. He said, you know, these kids, they're ungrateful, they're selfish, they don't respect me. And I was like, dude, I wouldn't respect you either, bro. They're probably waiting for you to leave. Like you haven't been in that church for more than like a second before you have to go. And the reason you're going is not even like actually legit reasons. You're not even dying. You're leaving because you're trying to follow where the most stable job environment is. Who can respect that? You're not building anyone. You're not creating any ministry. You're not developing any leaders. And you want to command and demand respect? No, man. You don't get it. You don't get that. Respect is given, right? When God's leader, God's spiritual leader, his, 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 the, the, work, uh, the workers are teaching the word. They're giving themselves. They're bearing fruit out of this. They are, Paul says, respect. It is to show an attitude of gratefulness for what they've done. Attitude of gratefulness for, what's, uh, for what they do, okay? So principle number one, very simple, right? You want to... If you want to care for your past, you want to care for your leaders, the one thing you do is this. If they're a good, respectable person, then show them proper respect. Proper respect. Okay? Principle number two. Check this out. Okay? Verse 3 to 12, it says this. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brother and Cephas? Or is it only I and Barnabas who must work for a living, who serves, who serves as a soldier at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its scrapes, who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk. Do I save, say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about the oxen that God is concerned? No. Surely he says this is for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you, right? And so if the pastor is respectable, check this out, and he is giving you the word and he is living a life that is of respect, then here's the answer. The way in which you respect him is to offer him, right, a blessing, Financially, they take care of them. Take care of your leaders, right? How many times do your leaders take you guys out and pay for your meal, right? How many times do you guys think you were entitled to that meal? Ooh, right? How many times? Somebody, we're Asian. Some of you guys don't even do the dance anymore. You have the Asians that have to dance like, oh, let me help, you know, please. You know, like just you're pulling out your phone for no reason, right? Like, oh, oh yeah. You know, there's not even the dance anymore, right? But it's, it's because we, we've developed an attitude. Instead of being gra- grateful, we've become an attitude of entitlement. We believe that it's, 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 it's for us to receive and to take and to have. Just because, why? Oh, they're, you know, they're doing their thing. Let them be generous, right? One more point before that, I'm sorry. Respectfulness. Let me tell you this, okay? There's a running rule here at TLC. Very simple. If you don't respect me as your pastor, I am okay with that with you guys stepping out and moving on to a different church. You guys know that? To me, it's never about building how many people we have at TLC. To me, it's always been about seeking for God's people to hear God's word and to live out God's truth 
in such a way that it changes the world around them. That's it. And then for some reason, for example, PT, I just can't respect this guy. Something's wrong with him. He's a little off here and there. I'm okay with that, especially for you young men, right, who are under me and you're thinking like, yeah, I can't respect this guy. It's all right. Go find a pastor that you can find respect under. You know why? Because it will be so much better, more beneficial for you. If he speaks and you're listening to him and you're actually living out what he's saying to you, through what God is saying to you through him, you're going to be a blessing to your wife. You're going to be a blessing to your family. You're going to be a blessing to the world around you. You're going to be a blessing. But if you sit here and you're constantly bitter and angry and always like, I don't know about PT, I don't know what he's saying, then you got to go because you're not being a blessing. You're not helping anything. And most of all, if you have no respect, okay, you're going to destroy the things around you because you're not going to listen. You're not going to want to listen. You're not going to want to try to bless your wife or your significant others. Because you're like, you know what? I don't know if Tony's saying to me it's true. So why should I do this at all? Right? You guys got to remember that. Young men, same way. Okay? You got to find a place where you find yourself willing to listen, willing to be under the pastor's leading. Because if you don't respect the pastor, then you're never going to be able to hear what God is saying to you. You guys follow me? Right? And again, I tell you, you guys, you're like, oh, he's just... He's doing like this kind of like a, a reverse psychology thing. He's telling us to leave, but he's not really wanting us. No, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I, I, it, does not break, it does not hurt me at all, right? You do not offend me if you say you got to go. It doesn't. Because if you go to a place and you meet Jesus Christ and you're loving that place and you're loving the people around you and you're loving your family because of it, that's a win for me. That's not a loss. That's a win, Right? But if you sit here and you're just kind of like dazed off, not even listening to this, right? Then that's a loss. That's 100% loss. If you have a respectful pastor, if he's bearing fruit, right, respect him. But how do you respect him? The Bible says you got to take care of him. You got to take care of them, okay? This, this concept of caring for a spiritual leader is not a foreign concept. It's not some brand new concept that America came up with, okay? This concept has been around for ages. Back in the Corinthian uh, city, if you have a sage, a wise person who is offering wisdom and, and guidance, one way in which you show respect and which way in which you care for that as a patron is that you offer them a wage. You pay for their way of life, right? The concept of caring for a spiritual leader is not a foreign concept, right? It's very simple. You understand this naturally. If you did a good job at your work, if you did above and beyond what was asked of you, if you're bearing fruit, one way in which the company shows you that they are grateful for what you've done is to do what for you? To give you a, a bonus, right? I mean, you're not expecting it, but you're thinking like, you know, like, man, I don't have to have it, but it'll be nice. It'll be a way for them to show me, tell me that they know that I'm doing my work, that they're grateful for it. You know this naturally from the way you live in your world. And yet, when it comes to the community of God, when it comes to church, right, we kind of like lose the, the picture here. We don't want to bless our small group leaders, right? We don't want to bless our ministry leaders. We don't want to bless our pastors. We don't want to take care of them. And Paul is saying, look, his first, he makes three very rhetorical questions. Like, don't we have to eat? Don't we have to drink? Isn't it right that you at least give me food to eat? Right? He's like, the church was so bad. They basically say, you just got to do it on your own, right? Come and give us what you have to give to us, but survival is on you. He said, don't we, don't we have a right to take our believing wife with us when we do ministry together? 
Isn't it, isn't it important that we're able to take care of our wives while we do ministry? You know, that she's not out there working as well? That we're working out to like to midnight and then coming home and having stopped by Jack in the Box because there's actually no food because your wife is like knocked out sleeping because she's so tired, right? In the middle of the night and you're just trying to find junk food to eat. He said, isn't it important that you find yourself in a way where you're caring for your pastor, your small group leaders, your ministry leaders by financially blessing them? Caring for them. Now, when I say financially, I'm not telling you to pull out 100 and like, hey, for your service, thank you, right? It's not like a tip here, right? No, one, no, one's, no one's taking a tip. I'm talking about like, hey, look, take them out for a meal, right? Take your small group leader out for a meal. Say, hey, you know what? Can I, can I just take you out for a meal? They'll be like, first they'll be like, Are you, am I dying? That's what's, that's what'll be the first reaction because they're like, this has never happened to me before. What's going on here, right? Second thing, they'll be, they'll, they're going to be grateful. And, you know, and, and the, the, the crazy thing is they're going to realize, hey, Maybe they're actually encouraged by what I'm doing. Maybe they're actually encouraged by what's happening. The fact that nothing, nothing is response, there's no response in their ministry, sometimes they get kind of scared. Like, maybe I'm not doing anything great. Maybe I suck at this job, right? Maybe I should quit. When I say financially take care of them, I was like, bless them. Take them out for a boba, right? right? Like, how many times do you guys, like, go out for boba and you're like, hey, I got you. It's boba. I'll get you an add-on, too, just because, you know, you... I love you, man, you know, right? He, Paul, Paul was talking, he was saying, look, man, like, even the Lord's brothers, their wives are allowed to get, you know, to go along with them. Their, 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 their community is caring for them. You know, just a caveat, just real fast, you know, Jesus had, had brothers, right? Which means his mother had kids, right? That's how it works, right? He had brothers, so his mother had kids. Mary, Mary was not a perpetual virgin, right, as, as some believe, right, she, she had children, right, she had, she had a family. Peter, Peter had a wife, yeah, and Cephas, Cephas is, is Peter, right? Peter was considered the first pope of the Catholic Church. They didn't think he had a wife, but Peter in the Bible had a wife. I don't know how that worked, I don't know how they worked around that, but that's it. It's, and, and Peter, his brothers, all the other apostles, when they went and they did their work, people supported not just the, 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 the apostles, but they supported their wives too. So the wives don't have to put in that much time and work, being able to stay home, care for the kids, watch over things. Not that that's their job, but like it's, it's, it's part of, I need to make sure I say that, right? It's not that that's their, their duty, but it's, you know, it's, it's being able to not stress about that. You know why most, most um, pastors, Christian pastors' marriages end in divorce, right? Imagine, like, they're, they're trying to, like, survive to stay afloat. They make their wives work, you know, and so they they don't see each other till like nine o'clock at night. And then when they see each other, like, all right, I'm really tired, hug, and they just sleep, right? You know, that's pretty much it. Like, you want to, like, no, and they just knock out. Okay, it happens, right? It happens. You laugh. That's true, right? Okay. Peter Peter argues from three examples. Very simple. He's saying this: Who goes to war? Verse um, seven. Who serves a soldier at his own expense? Who goes to war and has to buy their own bullets, right? Like, if, who goes to the military and says, hey, you want to join the military, you got to buy your own bullets. You want to fight this war, you got to pull out some money. Like, no, if you serve, you're expected to you know, receive from your service. Who, who plants a vineyard and goes hungry? Who, who, who has a whole garden, plants a field, and then say, like, oh, I'm, but I'm starving because I can't actually eat from it, right? It's actually understood. If you, if you make a business, who makes a business and say, I'm going to lose all my money? No one, right? I hope not, right? If you, if you do, then you need to not do business anymore, okay? Right? Who makes, if, you, if you make a business, you have a profit off the business, is, would anyone think ill of you if you took the profit 
and you fed your wife, you took care of your family, you put a roof over their head, would anyone think bad of you? Like, oh, look at them using that profit. They should give that away to the poor right now. Like, yeah, but I, my wife should eat too, right? Like, my, my kids should eat too, right? It's understood. You know that, right, naturally. And so Paul is saying, then why should it not be that if a person is leading a small group, doing ministry, pastoring, okay, the church is growing and flourishing, that it's going well, that they love the Lord, they're doing a good job, that they can't make a living. Why can't they make a living from it as well? Why is it not possible that the church cares and provides and be generous? And go to March Avenue Anaheim, right? <laughs> and, and, move, and, and move, right? <laughs> why can't it be that way? Right? Why is it that the attitude of the people oftentimes is disgruntled, angry, selfish, taking, rather than giving, generous, offering, right? Again, my, my heart in this message is not saying, like, look, A, B, C, D, E, this is how you should take care of people. My heart of this message is telling you is this. Be grateful. Be grateful for what you have been given. Be grateful for the life that you have been blessed with. Be grateful for the message that has been instilled into your heart. Be grateful over the people who have given their time, their energy, their resources to instill that message into your heart in every possible way that they can and know how to do. Be grateful that there are people who are willing to lay down their energy, their heart, sacrifice what they need to sacrifice in order for you to know this truth. It is to have a spirit of gratefulness, generosity, rather than the spirit of entitlement. What's next? What else do I get? What else should you give me? Okay. But some of you, I know some of you are thinking, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, sometimes when we start paying the pastors, you know, it can get kind of dangerous. Yes, PT is a yes, you're right, it is, right? It is, there's a huge danger in how much, too much or too little in which you pay your pastor, in which you pay the ministry people. I guarantee it, okay? We have prosperity theology, okay, where the, 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 the idea here is pastor who turns ministry into a cash cow, right? The ministry becomes his way for them just to re, just reap in the dough and be able to, like, buy expensive houses, expensive cars, charter a, cha a plane from east coast to west coast, right? They use the ministry, they use people for that. And if you think about it, that doesn't make sense because Jesus, the dude in which they follow and worship, the homie was homeless, right? He was homeless. He was out and about. He was walking most of the time. And here they are charting all this money from the church. And that's, that's evil. You know, but the, the, the beginning of it was, it wasn't meant to be like that in the beginning. Like if, if you're, understand history, African-American culture, right? African-American churches in the beginning, they were a slave culture. They were a culture in America that was disrespected, not cared for, not looked well upon. So, but there's one man usually, there's the pastor in, that, in the community who is respected because he's educated. He's respected because he has um, a, a, a direction, some sort of worth and value. So people kind of give this elevation to a pastor. And so the black community, in their way of kind of saying, you know what, we want someone to represent us faithfully. So they took their money and they gave to this pastor, not as a way of, 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 of uh, uh, making this pastor look like he's better than he is, but as a way of saying, we're so grateful because you chose to invest your life in such a way that elevates everyone around you with them. 
You chose to sacrifice and to teach the message in such a way that brings you to this place. And so they gave to their pastor in such a way that helped the world around to say, look, if you see this guy, he represents us. Okay? And now in the 21st century, that, took, that, that message went a little bit too extreme. Right? Now we have pastors you know, flying planes left and right. And that's evil. So yeah, you shouldn't pay your pastor too much. Right? I mean, it's, I'm, I'm saying that because I'm a pastor too. Like it's, it's this level of evilness. But then there's a level where we have this thing called poverty theology, where the church thinks to themselves like this. They think, well, we don't want our pastors to be too proud. We don't want our spiritual leaders to be too proud. We got to humble those guys, man. They have the spiritual word. They think they got the truth. So we don't want to, we're going to make sure they stay a little bit humble or else they're going to just, you know, think that they're all that. So we're not going to feed them, right? We're not going to uh, give them much, right? And the pastors in those churches, I've known pastors in those churches, they're like, how about enough so I can just eat, right? How about enough so I can have lunch, how about enough where I can actually take care of my family and make sure that uh, I don't get a divorce soon? How about enough where I don't have to get three jobs so that I can actually minister here? I know a kid. I was, uh, I was with my youth pastor uh, a, a while back, and we were talking. Some, one of our old friends came up, and uh, he, was a, he used to go to church. He stopped going to church, and my, my youth pastor was there. He was talking to him. He was like, so what happened? He's like, because the church messed my father's life up. The church took from my father. He took me, he took my father away from our family. My youth pastor was saying, you know, part of that was that your father allowed the church to do that too. He allowed the church to do that to him, not knowing that, you know what? As a right as a pastor, he has the right to take care of you. But he allowed the church to run his life. So here's my word, guys. It's very simple. How do we make room for Jesus when it comes to the church, when it comes to your spiritual leaders, when it comes to ministry leaders, when it comes to pastors? How do you make room for Jesus? It is to practice a spirit of gratitude. Do you have gratitude for those who you show up to small group every week for? Do you have gratitude for your ministry leaders who are taking care of your ministries over and over, who's leading it, who takes all the bullets because they get yelled at by me? You guys never get anything right, because they, they, they receive all of the, the tongue lashing from me, right, they cover all you guys so that they can run the ministry to serve you and serve the church, right, how do we make room for those guys, this is practice an attitude of gratefulness, show them the respect, care for them, bless them, bless them, bless them with a meal, you sh- I promise you, you show up and you give them like a card, I'm pretty sure they'll be like, oh my God, <laughs> they think of me. It's wonderful, I promise, right? But to bless them. But lastly, here's the thing, all right, last principle. Sometimes as a pastor, though they have the right to a pay, though they have a right to a salary, the pastor's drive is not for that. It's always for the gospel. Right, look at what he says here, verse 12-18. He says this, he says, if others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? Okay? But we do not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered at the altar? So what Paul is saying is, look, those who work, they get from where they work, Right? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Okay? 
But, verse 15, but I have not used any of these rights, and I am not writing this in the hope that you would do such things for me. I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of this boast. Yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If I, if I not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so, it, so not make use of my rights in preaching it. And so the picture is this. Think about all of your leaders. Think about all of the way in which they have given and offered themselves to you. If you were a person, as you are, right, and you are around people, and here you are trying to help them, and all the time, these people that you're trying to help, for you, I'm just, do a, just do a quick mental exercise here. You're with a friend, and you're trying to help this friend over and over, but this friend is not grateful, insincere, not generous, right, selfish, over and over and over. What is your natural response to this person? So I'm really, this is too much. I'm, I'm done with you. And you move on. The story does not continue with them. It's done. It's over. But you look at the mental exercise and just flip that mental exercise back, right? Now, here are your leaders dealing with you, oftentimes. The lack of gratitude, lack of respect, lack of kindness, selfishness, over and over. And what is their response? Let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. Because it's not about the money, it's not even about the respect, it's not even about what they give. Right? What is the most important thing above all things else? That the gospel is preached. You know, TLC, we believe one very full thing, that there is no lost cause. And so no matter whether it is re reciprocated in kindness or love, the answer is still what? If you walk with me, I will walk with you. I will walk with you. That's how all your leaders are. That if you would walk, they will walk with you for as far and as long as you want them to walk with you. They will not drop the ball on you. How do I know that? How do I know that? Okay. Can I, can I share with you guys this, this, this thing? Um, I, I made a quick highlight of our, of our church from 2012 to 2019 uh, since I came here. Right? I want to share with you guys the journey that we've been on. The journey of brothers and sisters who would not stop. Who, who, who had the culture in their heart that said, for the gospel, for God's kingdom, for the changing of lives, for the growing of people, no matter how ungrateful, broken these people may be, the people we may serve may look like, we will not stop. I want, I want, I want you to see just what God has done, just, just working and moving through what we've done, okay? So first, worship service. Right, from 2015, this is when we actually started keeping note because we didn't think that we would actually grow, so we... 2015, we started, we started actually punching numbers. 2015, 2019, our church grew by 33%. It, it, it grew to such a degree that we were once in that trailer over there, in this kind of small, we had to move all the way over here to uh, take up the, the, the growing effect of what's happening here at TLC. It's crazy. 33%, man, like, that's huge, okay? Almost uh, not seen in, in a lot of churches our, our size, right? EM tithing, okay, the generosity of giving. I'm, it's going to blow your brain. In 2012, our year budget was 12000 You guys realize that? Some of you guys are thinking, what? That's our retreat budget, right? I know, right? $12,000. $12,000 was, was, I don't know how we functioned at that time. Like $12,000 is all we had 
as a church, as an EM, as an English ministry, it's all we had, right? And yet, what do, what do we see? We see out in seven years, it grew to 96,000 in 2019. I'm trying to give you guys these numbers. I'm trying to be transparent about it, right? Allowing us to develop leaders, add teams, create ministries, expand the work of God's kingdom. Do you know what this thing is? not about boasting. you know what this thing is telling me? It's not telling me, like, wow, things are doing great. No, it's telling me God's people in this church are not giving up. You guys get me? It's telling me that the, the spirit of gratitude is being moved and being compelled and being driven in our church. The spirit of generosity is being developed in this place. And so if you're sitting there and you spend your whole time here at TLC taking and receiving, the question I have to ask is, can you, would, you, would you join? Would you join the culture of gratitude? Would you join the culture of caring and blessing those around you, rather than just actually hoping that they'll give you something back? Because this, this is the work that God does. Next one, here. Let me show you guys. All right. Ministry growth. In 2012, we only had a youth group, a young adult, one worship, and one small group as the main thing. That's all TLC EM was. If you ask, what's, what's TLC EM? We have a youth, we have a worship team, we have a young adult group, we have one small group on Friday. That's all we had, right? 2019, we have grown to children's ministry, Right? Family ministry, sports ministry, dance ministry, prayer ministry, college ministry. 2019, we developed teams to help run the growing needs of TLC. Finance team, tech team, admin team. We developed a video team, connect team, social media team, design team. 2019, we expanded our groups to help facilitate the relationship needs of TLC. We got our small groups of PG21, TK, TGIF, MASA, men's group, women's group. Do you know who leads these things? Not random people, leaders. Ministry leaders who's decided, I'm not your slave, but I'm not a volunteer. I've been compelled by God to serve and to give and to offer back. You know who runs these small groups every week? Leaders who said, I'm going to invest my best that I can in the lives of the people who come to pray, to love on them. Right? It's not about the money. It's not about the rewards. It's not about what you get out of it. It's really simply, fully about the work of God's kingdom being moved. Seven years, guys. Next one. All right? Missions. Going to Peru, establishing a direction for school building. We're trying to build a school in Peru. Is that crazy? Like, our church, look at our church. Our church is probably a school itself, right? We're trying to raise $30,000 to build, buy the land, then raise $100,000 to build a school, right, in Peru. Like, I'm throwing out crazy numbers in my head that I can't, I can't even fathom us reaching, but what, that's what we're trying to do. We got people going to Arizona Mission still to this day, developing new ministries over there. Ministries that for 10 years we've been doing the exact same thing. And yet we went over there and we developed a college ministry and a women's ministry, right? We pioneered a team to Vietnam Mission for the first time. Who do you think leads this stuff? Leaders. Who do you think runs this? Leaders. Is it because they want something out of it? Is it some sort of acclaim or gift? No. It's simply because the gospel compels us to move. Why am I showing you guys this? Why am I, why, why am I showing this to you guys? Am I, is this for fun? No. This is to show you guys, we have a culture here at TLC. The culture is what we call TLC, ride and die, right? Build up 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 to 7. If one part suffers, we suffer together. If one is honored, we rejoice together. It is a culture that says we come together in gratefulness and gratitude, generosity, to move God's kingdom forward. If you're part of this place, you've been here a long time, you've been here, and, you, and all you've done is just show up. 
I respect that. I love that. Thank you for showing up. That's a great start. Right? But if you're just showing up, one, it tells me you don't respect your leaders because everything that they're trying to speak into your life, you're not listening. Two, I know that something in your heart, there's a lack of gratitude and love or, or, or in service because you've been here for this long and you cannot tell me there's nowhere to serve, nowhere to give, nowhere to offer yourself. There's so many places that you can, and yet if you haven't, it, it shows the attitude of a heart that's ungrateful before God. And three, right? You don't understand the vision that we have. This is not come, do your religious duties, and walk away, and yay. We're not about that here. That's not what this church is about. This church has come. We have a mission. We have a dream. We have a vision that God has given to us to reach and meet people. Would you join into that vision? Would you join into that culture? Or are you just simply going to sit and just watch? Because when you do that, what it reveals is a spirit of ungratefulness towards what you have received weekly. Right? Last, I got one more. Discipleship. Right? There's, a, there's a web here. Okay? This web started with just eight names. Okay? Eight names, 2012. 2019, 80% of our EM members, which is you guys, involved in the SALT process. You know what SALT process is? If you guys have no idea what this is, SALT is our one-on-one -on -one discipleship program that we have. Not program, one-on-one -on -one discipleship relationship. Right? It's us investing in another brother, another sister, and just doing life with them, walking with them, and saying, look, it's not about what you give to me, but what I want to give to you to take you to where you're meant to be. 80% right? of our community is in there. If you're sitting there still, you're thinking, well, you know, like, I want someone to salt me. You know, maybe you should just go and salt somebody else. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's time for you to like, hey, you know what? I'm not. Stop wanting it for yourself and actually going on doing it. Picking someone up and saying, hey, let me take care of you. Allow me that process. 80%. Hey, guys. Again, what is this for? Not to brag, not to say anything. All I'm saying is this. We have a culture here at TLC, a culture of gratitude, culture general, I mean, we, we probably won't see it in individuals, but we see it as a whole, okay? Culture of gratitude, culture of generosity, culture of selflessness, culture of giving, okay? And if you are here, and all you're doing is just coming, you've lost respect for your pastor and your teachers and your leaders, you're not showing them respect, you're not really respecting them by caring because you're not giving anything, not just your time or your resources or energy or your money, you're just sitting here. And third, you have no vision about what to do with your life. And so this place is just a religious spot for you to come, clap your hands a little bit, nod your head a couple times, give a little offering, and walk out. If you believe Jesus Christ is who he says he is, okay? If you believe in Jesus Christ is who he says he is, this guy gave up his right. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he gave his life. What was the joy? To see you in glory. You were his joy. And so he gave up that right. Did we give him anything in return? Nope, we did not. We crucified him. Did we offer him anything wonderful for his life here? Nope, we destroyed his life. And yet he went there anyway. Why? Because all that is important is seeing where the trajectory is. The vision is God's kingdom. The vision is taking your life and doing something amazing with it. He has a plan for you. 
Not necessarily going to be a great plan, but it's a plan. And it's a plan that God has placed specifically for you to do. Right? So my prayer and my hope is that, church, stop making excuses. Stop running around. Look, if you don't want to be here, you can't respect your pastor, you can't respect your leaders, it's okay. I love you. Just go. Move. Right? I have, I have no qualms about that. But if you stay, then work with us, fight with us, join us. Live this journey, live this culture that we can do great things. Seven years, guys, we've done an amazing thing, right? God's done great things in us. I can't imagine what seven more years will take us, okay? Put it into your heart. This is our trajectory, right? TLC, Random Dash, right? Bow your heads, let's pray. Mm -hmm.